imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Kevin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot in the name of Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's the real world, I choose to go my life to. That's okay. It means something. It means something. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, uh, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. And today, another stay-at-home edition of Protonic Reversal. We have a very special guest, uh, Ben Von Wildenhaus. Uh, you of, might know him from Federation X. He has a, a excellent band called Von Wildenhaus. It is uh, awesome, and they have a new record. New record. New record alert, everybody, called Everything in Flower. And I'm really excited to be talking to him. <laughs> Sorry to have been such a uh, harrowing effort to get you on the air, Ben, but uh, I'm, glad to, I'm glad you're joining me, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain, you know? I mean, same as everybody else, right? Yeah, it's... How are you doing is now turned into a, a disaster movie style <laughs> level of exposition uh, for a lot of folks. So, Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, for the most part, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So how are you dealing with a uh, quarantine? Uh, you know, I know it was really bad, especially in, in Seattle uh, for a really long time, but it kind of seems like things have gotten marginally better as much as it has anywhere else, I suppose. Yeah, sort of spiking here again, but, you know, I think people generally know the drill. Um, and now, you know, we've <laughs> been in it for so long, it's just sort of like, you know, back at it, whatever. Um, I feel like kind of uh, lucky. I got, you know, family, so, um, you know, for, so, you know, I was locked in, but it was, it was also worked out to be good. I have little kids, so it was a good time to be with the kids. They're not they're missing their friends and stuff, but they're also really little kids. And so being with their parents, is, it was good. And me being with them is good. So it was, uh, that part was great. And I know a lot of my friends were very lonely <laughs> and very alone. Yeah. So not not a great time to be like living alone, uh, necessarily, but. Or know, with, you know, crappy roommates or whatever. Roommate which, you can't stand or something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Or, or, or much worse, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So the, I mean, it's uh, it's a weird time these days re- releasing a record anyway. But I mean, this has been something that's kind of coming for a I'm while. Uh, releasing a record yes. during quarantine is is a uh, different than not releasing a record during quarantine. I suppose is what I'm getting at. It's a it's a little it's a little bit difficult to imagine that the uh, the challenges of releasing a record. A little bit different. There's some different challenges when you're uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, as it turns out. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, our, um, you know, at, at our, our record came out um, June first, but we were really pushing for it, and you know, I was able to get the vinyl done sort of in the early days of the quarantine, um, and so you know, I felt like a lot of that stuff actually went really smooth. Um, and then the record itself coming out uh, June first, I just have had almost no inclination to follow anything up on it because I got involved in protesting and uh, just thinking about what is happening in the world and uh, you which know, there's a lot of record. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what, whatever. Um, but it's you know, not to see- say it's not a yeah. worthwhile ever, you know, every, you know, we, we got a ton of copies out to our fans and friends and, I, I also happen to just hate self-promoting um, and all that stuff, which is, I think, true of a lot of us. It's not it's not the fun part. And so that uh, definitely t- takes a backseat, right, when the world is sort of in revolution and exploding and people are <laughs> just around you. It's like, oh, it's a metal song, but it's real. Yeah, so it's... No. But then by the same token... You know, it's it's something you put a lot of effort and time into, and you want to share it with the world, and you you know you want to have a the ability to share that with folks. But then at the same time, you have all these you know cascading global events that are huge, and you know it, it's a lot happening at at the same time for for anyone really. But I think it's a very it's a very interesting time in the may your life be interesting sort of mindset uh, for anybody creative right now also. Uh, whether it's releasing art, whether it's just being creative in any way, shape, or form, you know, and it's finding that place where art fits in right now is troubling. Like, it's, it's, it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of space for much of anything other than just the, I've characterized as, like, the flaming, screaming skull flying around the room. i mean and and on the on on the other hand you know there's for some people there's a lot of extra time or there was a lot of extra time at home and there is there are you know i would speak for myself um you know i I did have a lot of time to create and i i did a ton of projects and it was very rewarding um you know like a lot of it's not for much of an audience or anything like that that i that the, the concept of our you know sort of music biz like get it, put it out, like try to get as many people to listen to it as possible. That whole sort of churning thing, I feel like a ground to a stop, but personally uh, for making art, having some time to, you know, be able to play a lot of music at home. Uh, I made a lot of music with friends. I, I wrote a film score. I mean, so I like, I got a lot done, you know, and, and I, and I feel like that's, just in a you know making art and music like a personal thing it this hasn't been that bad for me at least been pretty good yeah it's almost as if music is kind of be, taking up more of a for a lot of folks more like a therapeutic place uh-huh. uh, rather than any kind of well, well certainly not different for different folks like you know not but not less coming out less from a careerist angle like you know no one's releasing a record and going on a 
tour for six months right now, and that's kind of a universal constant. So it's it's interesting to see how stuff shakes out with there being on one hand so much time for people to consume new things, but then also just a completely shredded attention span because of world events and you know something new that seems to be happening every five freaking minutes. Right. So I guess where I'm going out with that is, you know, you, it's like you, you put out a record and it's a beautiful record. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's well done. Um, you know, the music's awesome. You, you, uh, I, I, the layout's awesome. It's got like a unified theme. Like it's something that there's a lot of work and effort that goes into it. And then it, it probably feels a little bit strange to be throwing it out into the world right now. Um, I mean, do you, do you feel like it's something where, you know, it's maybe not necessarily going to get its, its, time in the sun right now or are you just not worried about that yeah i mean for sure you know i mean i think every time you are putting out an album that you've worked a lot on and i have i've always made with both federation x and my the three albums i've made under my name have you know taken my time with them and you know right. and really just spend a lot of time and it's it's nothing really prolific about my output but it's consistent over you know a ton of time and uh and and you know you get really excited i think anybody does you put the whole thing together and you've you know worked with a ton of people and you've you've got great mixes and it's really exciting and at that moment before it comes out i think it's undeniable everybody would feel it's like this is i just can't wait to get this out this is we invented a big this moment thing called music it's amazing yes <laughs> right it's, it's incredible um i mean if everybody listens to it the way that i've listened to it but you know but 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 really it's a it is a big moment and uh but then you know we just move on you know pat you know it's out there i want more people to hear it and uh, i think it's really great and it will still be out there and, you know, we're on to the next thing. But I think as you were pointing earlier, before the pandemic and before um, the BLM movement started to grow, um, me and my bandmates were making plans to, you know, go down to California and out to New York and to Europe. And uh, that, of course, has all come to an end. And now what we're talking about is not like, what live streaming event can we do at a right. Seattle bar or something <laughs> like that? Um, which is fine. I mean, that's great. But what we're really talking about is like, let's, let's get together us when we can. And when we're, when we feel safe individually and like play music, as you said, like on a therapeutic level, it's become such a personal thing. Now everything's turned so inward. I feel like now for, the five of us or those of us who will be able to meet up um, safely, you know, it's, it's really just about like, I, I miss playing with you. I miss making that music yeah. with you. And so it's not a, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's like kind of a good place to get back to. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it's, and I think it's different for different, for different bands and for different, uh, for different artists as well. You know, for some people, active creation is very much a social thing. For uh, some folks, it's very much a uh, a solitary thing. And it's it can be hard to balance that out when you're, and again, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're a guy with a family. It's not necessarily going to be first and foremost in your mind a lot of times. You know, you have, there's other concerns. Like there's, 
there's still there's children that must be educated and, and things along those lines right uh but that that said i mean it from an outside perspective and realizing that i haven't seen i haven't seen the band i mean i've seen federation i saw federation x many times uh, and, and enjoyed the the shows over the years but i always thought that there was a very cool unorthodox visual that you sort of developed with like this sort of talk show <laughs> thing is like it's like an arresting visual that makes for a great picture and it seemed like there was an evolution of process to it that uh you know i, I was curious is, is how much of that was kind of figured out ahead of time and how much this was like oh this is cool let's let's try this uh you know shoot from the hip situation for the ben von Wildenhaus stuff yeah. it was definitely like uh you know he was playing solo a lot when i lived in new york a few years back and uh <clears throat> so i played a lot and I, I feel like i would i did you know i worked some with artists and and some more like site specific installation stuff and sort of responding to a room I was in. Um, and then I, I don't know, I guess, you know, it, it sort of developed into a character from there. Um, and then when I moved out to Seattle, um, I started playing a ton of shows around Seattle and I was playing in mostly bars. And again, with all of my friends, I suddenly was back with all of my friends from the Federation X days. Right. Because um, I'm from the Northwest. So I'm just sort of returning home and playing shows with, you know, all like all all super loud rock bands, and I'm playing solo guitar with like a sine wave generator, yeah, and making noises with my mouth, and uh, and so because I suddenly switched from like these sort of like quiet art gallery kind of setups or whatever, or like listening to every note sort of nerd bars to sort of loud drunk rock bars, I just started like kind of yelling at people more to get their attention. Right. To kind of get over you know, just, just, just kind a of functional like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just like, and, and also I think with any character, there is some amount of like, you know, it, if it's an angry character, there is some amount of like internal rage being generated out. And so no it's really, talking really, about, sir. really fun. <laughs> um, you know, and then also it was, it was just really fun to sort of create, I played shows for years just me and the saxophone player, uh, John Sampson, who's a composer in Seattle and an old friend and who plays in Von Wildenhaus as well. But we did a bunch of shows together and we would, you know, at the beginning of the show, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of like just read the room and be like, okay, John, I'm going to be playing, I'll play three songs and you don't come to the stage. And then on the third st- song, you come from the back playing the saxophone. <laughs> and then and then he's like, we're kind of reluctant. Like he's like, oh man, I don't want to be involved in this shit. And then it's like, he's like, oh, okay, fine. And then in the third song, he starts walking up and he starts playing. And you can see that people are like kind of freaked out. There's a dude playing a saxophone. Yeah. And I like join this- them. I'm like, get, get out of here. Get the hell out of here! Stop playing! I just scream at him through his whole solo, just yelling at him to like leave as if he's been harassing me for you know months at these gigs or something. And so I don't know. Almost yeah, we like just sort of improvised that sort of, sort of bit of some kind. Or- uh, absolutely, yeah. I definitely, <laughs> definitely am guilty of Neil hamburgerisms for sure. Um, lots of coughing into the mic and that sort of a thing. But, but yeah, to go to the talk show point. Oh yeah, yeah go ahead. I was just gonna say, but the, yeah, the, just speaking to that, it, it's the idea of being like, okay, this is sort of an intimate experience. You know, it's gonna be uh, 
taken in a different way than like a big full format loud rock band. So it's something where you get to kind of challenge people's perceptions of what is a show too. And that's, yeah. that's kind of interesting and a little like, you know, whatever, a little art housey, little things along those lines. But if you're looking at expecting, you know, like, oh, this is like a Fred Frith or like Mark Rabot sort of bro doing his doing his like soundtrack thing. And then you're like, what in enti- what what is what's what is this a show? Like what what is actually happening here? And it kind of right, challenges right. Yeah. preconceptions. But yeah. So the evolution from that towards the uh towards the original question of the um the the talk show sort of presentation, which I thought was just such a neat, bizarre, cool thing. Yeah, when we and so you know, I, I just I think once I started shifting to playing full time with Von Wildenhaus uh, as the band in in Seattle and the Northwest, um, we did a show at uh, Psych Fest Northwest, and uh, I had played the year before solo, and then so for this show, I I set up a uh, like a little tiny stage in front of the other stage and we pulled down a projector screen and I came out and played with a, with a projection happening and we, and I played like four songs. So it really appeared as if the whole, whole set was just me. And then like in the middle of the fourth song, in the middle of one of the songs, I pulled out like the remote control for the uh, projector screen and it goes up and then there's like, a full band behind me that joins me <laughs> for the next four songs. And, uh, and it was great. It was really great because at the, at this festival, like almost everybody was on acid. Like, so everybody like, <laughs> you know, like, well, like I, I knew that from the previous year. So I like, um, kind of leaned into it a little. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I didn't like to watch everyone's eyes, like, you know, get just huge as like, the whole concept of the set had been upended and then suddenly it's like a full band. And then now we play, um, Amanda Bloom is our singer mm-hmm. and uh, Amanda's got a huge stage presence. Um, totally. Yeah. Is, is amazing. And so we, yeah, we did a show. We, I mean, we, we did the talk show, like we did a complete talk show set up for like a, there's a party run by an arts magazine in Seattle a few years ago. I think that might be what you're referring to, where we had like ferns on stage and we yeah. had like a desk. And Amanda was the interviewer and like came out. And then I was, I was like uh, the person being interviewed. Uh, so I had like a chair and uh, we had, we had extra lights. And yeah, you were the uh, first chair phone. guest in this, in this, in this situation. Yes, yeah. for those that and then the, visual, yeah. the rest of the band was the band. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that was incredible. I mean, that was like an incredible night. And, uh, and, and again, it's just one of those things where like, you know, for the, for the people that were there that night, that was like, you know, like what the hell that was incredible. Right. It's just yeah, as yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of one thing. And then we just, you know, attempt to change things up constantly. Well, it seems like it's something where it's a way of presenting the same constituent elements in a different way that maybe makes you think about why you have those preconceptions at the same time, but then also you don't, you don't have to get in your head about it necessarily. It's just something where it's like, Oh, that's different. That's, that's a different way to, to have that. And when you're dealing with music that tends to be, you know, there, there's a, like a soundtracky sort of element to it. Like actually um, the, it, I, I find it difficult music to describe and especially the last record, but some of it almost reminds me of. Did you ever hear that third Portishead record? I think a lot of people didn't hear it, uh, which is a shame. Oh, I don't, I don't know. It's one of my favorites. Well, because it's not trip hop at all, and it definitely it sounds 
in the similar way that it's like, you know, a little more moody, a little more sparse, but like in, in a very different way. And it just strikes me that, that as much as I like listening to that kind of music, I don't see a lot of it live. And, you know, some some of it, it isn't always the most compelling stage show, I guess, is where, where, I'm, where I'm driving at. Because you're just, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, there's a very excellent, very uh, powerful singer, you know, singing a thing. There's a guy playing a guitar, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's all these constituents. Oh, that's great. But it's like, unless you're on the, uh, the roadhouse in Twin Peaks or something, you know, there's, there's not an element to it that's necessarily going to be visually arresting. And I, I think it's almost like a punk rock mindset of, uh, including the art installation element of it, uh, to the music is at the same time, hard to articulate and explain, but I thought kind of very inventive and creative, and was that something that you ever, like, were you, were you thinking about overall presentation when you began with it? Or was it just literally like, let's, you know, let's see what's fun to do here? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that. And, you know, I mean, it's really about the, the it's all really about the music. Um, but, I, you know, I, I noticed over playing for, you know, 10 years of that solo stuff. Um, and then, then, and on into the band, there's moments where, you know, people it becomes background music and that's not i don't think that's a bad thing in the, in certain situations that's a great place to be in um but you don't if it becomes background music at a bar where people are sitting with their beers and you've got a 35 minute set and they start spacing out i mean you know they everybody can have a great moment sort of spacing out but th- that's I would just I could see that happening at moments, and then you don't say, want to okay, lose them necessarily. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, point yeah. in the song, in the middle of the song, I'm just like going to make the most fucking horrible noise on the guitar for like a minute straight, and it and people like you know you see them like snap back into yeah. total attention because it is is you know it's like all right, just like slap somebody in the face right now right. in the middle of <laughs> soothing yeah. them, you know. So that they're constantly being challenged. I think that, you know, that's true both visually as well as sonically. But I think the focus is on the sonics of it. But the visual aspect is that I end up becoming kind of this, you know, angry clown character um, compared to Amanda's complete Super stoic. Hi- Hyper stoic composed. Uh, yes, absolutely. Like a, yeah, I'm like a opera singer or something well and it's you know i I, and i appreciate the fact that you know you're you're wearing a suit while you're doing this too right like like your your situation where it's it's like this is dress-up music you bastard you know like (laughs) like it's a situation where where that that becomes part of the presentation also and especially i mean all the more visually arresting uh with the band but even so when it was this with the oscillator and uh um you know the more small format thing and it's something that I think when you come up with, through punk rock, like you associate it with like art galleries and, and like mm-hmm. that mindset that like people are just around and like at the thing and they're at the thing tonight. And like, you know, maybe they'll tune in and out of the music, like you mentioned, uh, but with, with an air of respect. And it's harder to get that when you got drunk people around with uh, at right, a rock right. bar. <laughs> this is not, it's not right. the modus operandi. You know, and I've, I've actually, it, it's uh there's you know i think any anybody that is playing music where you want people to focus on it 
um, there are there are moments where like there are nights and there are, are, are performances where it is it works perfectly and like the set is set up everything's perfect and people get totally drawn in for 40 full minutes right and they're, they're locked into every noise every movement and it's great but of course it doesn't always happen and uh i've i've like found that you know if you if you want that to happen and it's pulling away like it sometimes works to just like literally yell at everybody and tell everybody <laughs> to shut up and be quiet and i can do it from a place of like like, like we did it at a show where we were opening for a band for like a thousand people we were an opening band and uh everybody uh you know just started getting kind of loud and we have this great really beautiful ballad that is like this amazing vocal melody that amanda performs and, so, and it and it and it can kill when people are like really into it when you were, and, yeah, uh, so anyway hitting, when it's just screamed right, at everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know in a very angry way told everybody to shut up but also in a way where people are like laughing right like they can tell it's funny um but I'm, I'm literally telling them to shut up and to listen to Amanda. To like, how dare you disrespect Her. this, yeah. you know, person here who is about to bear their soul. And, uh, and it totally works. It, it totally, totally works. You can get everybody to like completely dial into one song as like an opening act. So it's, it's a kind of, I don't know. Leaning I feel like it's always just a, the theatrics and, and uh, tapping into people's self-awareness in a, in and a just, way that and just build it. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just, I mean, you know, making it happen, telling the audience what you <laughs> right. need. Right. Instead of waiting. Like, this is the, the moment in the set where like this song is, is the best ballad ever. Like you shut up and listen to it right now. And then yeah. they all do. And then people are like, that sounds great. Yeah. The one that we all listen to together. Yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> like i mean I, you know and I, I had to tell you that that's good beats like, like you know being bummed about it and like oh, i wish everybody would listen, oh, to my music. Would listen to us and talk over the show yeah exactly it's, it's it's something that you you take the bull by the horns so to speak right and it's different than what you know what i think music you play and federation x which is you know another kind of music that i totally enjoy playing and i'm not playing that with anybody right now but i, I would and will again um which the goal is not really to have everybody just be standing there and yeah. quiet and listening um i mean i would say that's not the goal of von wildenhaus either but um you know with loud heavy rhythmic music there's something you know where you really want people to be fully in their body just like like really just feeling the the, the loudness yeah. of it yeah. and that, what, uh, immersively so loud. So. yeah Th totally right because full immersive experience sonically and you know it can be it can be difficult to get things over to a rock crowd that way because if you don't have that that sonic element to it if you don't have that immediately you know there's a lot of bands like you know, when big business starts playing, it's not going to be like there's not going to be any any uh, uh, confusion about what's happening. It's a physical right, force right. that's like right there. Uh, but when you're doing something that's is coming from a more you know, for lack of a better term, like cinematic place where it's like it's a it's a mood building thing. Man, if you're if you're in front of the wrong people, or if you're in front of people that just are not on the same wavelength, so to speak, it does require something to sort of like set the table 
and it requires right. some kind of effort to to get them where they need to be, uh, even if it is just for like, as you said, like just a song or something, or just kind of, you know, the, the punk rock thing is that like, oh, look at this pretentious stuff, <laughs> right? It's right, automatically right. pretentious if it isn't loud punk rock. <laughs> but you know, but that's the difference is that you know, with you know, we we've opened for big business a few times and like. There is a big crossover in like a Seattle or Tacoma audience yeah. for those kinds of music. And, and, you know, and it is because my whole band all did come up in punk rock bands. And now we're doing this completely other thing. But we have a similar mindset and we're absolutely able to open up for big business. And it's it just works. like, a, absolutely, you know, and there's like a there's a continuity to it. That's not maybe a sonic thing. Um but there's something there, you know, as opposed to, you know, like a, like a really great, like if Red Fang opened for Slayer or something, yeah. like Slayer fans would still want to kill Red Fang, even <laughs> though they're like the you know, fucking great metal band. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, like, why is that? Because they committed like, a crime of like not nobody being Slayer. Wants to open. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're like, I don't know. In, in our scenes, I feel like, you know, I, I grew up with you know, Bill's being as wildly different as possible. And I've, um, in Olympia when in the early nineties and I still always sort of, you know, want that to be the case. If I'm at a show, I right. appreciate it a lot more. I mean, you know, it's punk rock as mindset rather than uh, sonic hallmark necessarily. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So uh, with the, with Von Wildenhaus and then also with like, just the solo stuff in general, it kind of seems like it, it was sparked off of composition. Like, uh, you know, kind of like, it's sort of like, well, you're making these, you know, like sound, soundtracky kind of situations and you're learning how to like, uh, express mood with these tools at hand. In some cases, very limited, especially when you're, you know, starting with just like, okay, it's just a guitar. And then like a thing that, a small device that maybe most people there would be like, what is that thing? <laughs> What's that little thing making that noise? <laughs> and using uh, a, like, like almost like the eight crayon set versus like the 64 crayon set of having different players and, and people do different things. Did you feel that, you know, coming from, coming from a punk rock background that like taking this walk down this avenue of playing music this way, is that something where thinking about it in terms of, uh, you know, music and paired with vision uh, is something that hit differently than it's, you know, dudes playing riffs at each other's in a room? Uh, <laughs> and what was that evolution like for you coming at it from it sort of like, you know, working man's like loud rock situation uh, to some doing something a little more different? Totally. I mean, and I, I think in one way that, that the Federation X stuff and and a lot of the Von Wilhelm stuff is similar is that like things are are definitely written. I, I and I guess it's just how I play guitar. Like there's parts and they like interlock and like they're very similar. Now with Von Wilhelm, I have always had fun being able to improvise and like having that be more a part of the practice, which was hardly <clears throat> at all the practice with Federation X. We had compositions and they were just the same very few moments where we would do something different yeah, than that. Tightly wound we, by necessity because of the, 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 the palette of, <laughs> you know, it's, right, it's right. for 
the the lion's share of the time of the band is it's just you, Bill and Bo, and like <laughs> if if yeah, something that's... wasn't doing the thing it was supposed to be doing, it just it, the plane wouldn't get off the runway. Right, and it's like, why did you hit the snare at that spot right. instead of one beat behind? So, <laughs> right. Well, right. oh, that would never be a conversation because Bo plays drums perfectly and exactly the same every time. Always Bill and I were the only ones that would ever make mistakes. But, but um, to get to your other question, I think when I first, when we stopped playing in Federation X, and I was I played you know I played piano in a lot of bands in New York and kind of did a lot of various sideman duties with friends and stuff and uh in some rock bands and stuff like that but then when i started playing by myself i really was interested in playing, playing like as quiet of music as i could and uh and really just sort of developing as a guitar player and uh one of the things i did was that there was a bar uh on my block and i knew the bartender who who worked on like wednesday nights so i asked them if i could set up in the back where they keep all the kegs which just sort of around the corner from the bar in the sort of dark area yeah. and <laughs> tap set up my my equipment and then mic it and then play it through the uh, surround sound system oh interesting it's the kind of bar where a lot of people a lot of people are just in there like having food but mostly people are just in there like drawing and just doing nothing really you know yeah. just kind of chilling out and so i would just sit back there and then i just wrote a ton of music you know and just like improvised a ton and I was really into this idea of like being complete wallpaper music and like, what is that mm, like mm. where there's nothing to look at? And so I did that a bunch and, you know, I did that for months and, uh, you know, people would like, what the hell are we listening to? This is, this is, what is this? You know? And she'd be yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's that guy over there. And, and there's like, I'm back, you know, like hunkered in the corner, kind of like no lights and stuff. And oh, that was amazing, right? And then from there, I, I moved it into to playing live and playing these compositions I wrote. Yeah. And uh, and then quickly into playing with a New York band with musicians there. Um, but yeah, the the wallpaper music thing, um, the library music or whatever, it, it was a great experience. And like I I feel like I. You know, I, I learned a lot from doing that. Um, but ultimately, you know, then when you're in front of a, a group of people again, there's that sort of desire to to grab their attention. And like, so I, I and maybe that's sort of the ultimate tension of my music is that I'm creating something that sounds like this, like, you know, very chill vibe. But then with the lyrics and with, you know, with some of the visuals and, and definitely with some of the, the sort of noises and like the abrasiveness of the saxophone over it, the goal is to, you know, really freak people out a little bit, you know. <laughs> right. Um, it's background music until it isn't. And then that's that's kind of. Right. Into right. Right. Yeah. And, you're, you know, hoping that people like realize like our drummer called it easy listening for demons <laughs> or uh he, he's got a, a lot of good ones he also calls it light wave psychotica which is Ooh, wow. i okay. think which is also a good one I, I, but yeah the idea and being that it's it is pretty it's pretty fucking evil you know <laughs> and that's that's what we're going for is you know pretty pretty uh pretty quiet but very evil sound well then talk to me about you know that mindset permeating everything and how you translate that to record because as much as you know I, I love recordings and I love 
uh, live presentations, but it can be harder sometimes for something with nuance to get through to an audience in, in recorded medium, just by nature of the fact you can't control the environment. People are, people are listening on their laptop with, you know, no speakers attached to it. People, <laughs> people are listening totally. in these like really weird, like, you know, bizarre environments. So when it comes time to like making like, like this record, for instance, but like, but like all of them, what kind of factors do you, do you put in play to make sure that you get this idea across and build these moods with sort of, again, this limited palette that you, you maybe can't control uh, this externalized element. Sure. Well, the news record is the, you know, first record I've done with the Von Wilden house band of Seattle people, Andrew creature is a drummer, you know, and he plays like a suitcase and a, and a washboard that's going through a delay pedal into like a, amp oh is that what that is and, okay uh, <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah so it's you know it's, there's nothing like americana about it it's got a real yeah real nutty sound and it's just washed in in delays um and it has a ton of just like live has a ton of like shockingly loud accidental noises that just come out and just you know blow everything up yeah um and and anyway what what we do when we're playing with andy is and what i had to 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 learn um, playing again with Andy when I moved back to Seattle is um, the songs all need live. They need like a, like a full minute before anything happens yeah, just to get the groove burn. going. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And totally. so it, it, we just get, a, so every song and I, and I know there's, you know, we just have to do that too. It's the time it takes for him to sort of like listen to it and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, here we go. You know, and get into it, get his delay pedal set. Right. And then for the whole band to get into a groove. And what's great about it is that we really have gotten into like the thing becomes like a, like very like a rhythmic oriented or whatever, however you want to put it. We get into a good, we get into a solid groove, man. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, and, but anyway, that ends up being the basis of, of everything. And like, you know, we, it would be bad if it wasn't that. And so for the recording, I think that was the main thing. You know, we recorded all of the songs where we, um, in like a, in like a wooden living room that just has like a, like a lot of very comfortable sound to it. And we would play the vamp for like, you know, several minutes before we would start the take of each song. And then on the record, you know, we cut right into the song or whatever. There might be a little bit of a vamp thing, but the whole, you know, everything spliced together. Or like the opening song, that was like, you know, it was like a 16, 17 minute long jam. And uh, I went in and spliced the whole thing up to make it into a, you know, a still an 11 minute jam or however long it is, 10 minute jam. But, you know, we were able to, that's how I, I feel like how we tried to capture that groove part of it or whatever was just by like really getting things going and then also you know then i listened to those recordings as we we were you know like like listening to mixes and then i i took everything home and be like starts to get boring here i'm gonna like we need to add like a noise we need to add something right you know add some sort of or like you know what's the noise gonna be and like yeah just like you know it's like uh like that there's a Frank Zappa album called Add a Jazz Noise Here. <laughs> I feel like it's like that. It's like it just needs to be some sort of like weird boing noise here or something like really screeching here. 
And uh, you know, we're all able to add that sort of stuff through like weird guitar shit or stuff at home, percussion or synth. Um, and then, you know, the final thing about your, your question about what, you know, how do we try to get that across on a laptop? I also just was, you know, listening to a lot of seventies records versus a lot of records, indie rock records, and especially in the, in the more sort of mellow vein, you know, a lot of the sort of panda bear animal collective, it's like everything's washed out in reverb and that's all great. But like what I, I wanted to do something more like that, more like seventies Bowie records where the vocals are so hot and dry. And so when you are listening to it low on a laptop or in a car, you know, you can hear the sort of music sort of chugging along or whatever. And then when the vocals come out, they're like right up front. Really present. And yeah. we're just, you know, that, you know throwing, the, throwing the lyrics sort of in your face. And and uh, and Amanda's voice is commanding. So like putting that front and center and making that its own shocking like sonic element, I suppose. Well, and because you referenced it, I mean, for me, a lot of those bands that just have that reverb on everything thing that gets exhausting to listen to uh personally for me for i mean i just don't enjoy it that much like it it, it almost reminds me in a way of you know there was that time period in the 90s where everything was when there was even masters brick walls there was just like no no sonic no sonic differences at all it was just like one big pummeling fist the entire time and unless you're Unless that's the point, like an Andrew WK situation, it's it's like, oh, this is exhausting, you know? Right. And, and like the yeah. perfect example I can think of is that the the last at the drive-in record, right? Where it's just like, oh god, uh-huh. this hurts. Like I don't, I don't even want to listen to this. Like this is right, right. And and that's just again, as you mentioned, uh, you know, just like the the vocals being very upfront in that way as like a '70s, like you know, Eno Fisconti sort of situation. You know, that was a sonic hallmark of that era of two thousands. Everybody was trying to make everything louder than everything else. So it's so it's right. You know, it's the loudness wars. Are those over? I don't know. I, I guess I'm sort of are the loudness wars over now? I mean, it seems like it's it's for my taste, the, the records I listen to, it seems like there's fewer of them that are painful to listen to, so uh maybe that's that says more about my taste than anything else. But I think every well, I think everything now and this is a larger conversation, but like, you know, Spotify has its, you know, preferred methods. They have, they have little like tutorials of like, here's how to make your music good for Spotify, which is, you know, uh, which is, that's definitely a, a thing that's happened. I, and I certainly have thoughts about it, but I mean, I think that the, the idea that just, you want to blast everybody out as much as possible. So it doesn't sound, you know, quiet compared to the thing next to it on, on the beginning or end is less of an issue because there's more of a standardization. So I guess their loudness wars are kind of over, but then there's also this this idea that you don't know how people are going to be listening to stuff. But by the same token, in an accompanied, you know, iPhone just playing a song sounds comparatively better than a lot of people's stereo systems these days. So who the hell knows anything about anything, right? Uh, the Christmas records. I want to talk about the Christmas records because I think that, that that's <laughs> that's such a weird and cool thing. And uh, I I I, um, I passed along the a very reasonable Christmas album. Uh, somebody was uh, a music blog and it was like putting together weird holiday music, 
right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he loved it. He was like, this is awesome. Like, I don't understand where this came from, but this is awesome. Like, what w- was that just like a, hey, this would be a fun thing to do? Did you have like a, <laughs> a stockpile of things? You're like, this seems Christmassy to me. Like, no. what? So I had a, uh, I have a, when I, uh, my friend Corey J. Brewer. Corey, uh, the um, mighty puts cold out lake. music and both. Do you know Corey? Of course. Yeah, he used to play with Spencer Moody. Yep. Uh, and, um, uh, cold Lake, too. That was, that was a big Cold Lake. And Cold Lake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Corey, for years, was putting out an annual Christmas album that he was initially making for an audience of just his wife. And then it became sort of like available as a download to club friends. I mean, let's and be clear. That's a lot of our audiences sometimes, you know? But. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, and it was just a, an album of uh, him like as a, like a drunken crooner and, and he would be drunk and he would do kind of a one shot take over old instrumentals, like doing his best to kind of sing along and then like get off into like side tangent rambles. Really hilarious. So uh, we were going to do a live show. This is probably whatever the, that first one came out, 2012 or something. And uh, we decided we'd do a live holiday show together. And so I learned several Christmas songs, whatever Hanukkah songs I could find. Um, I had to sort of make up some pagan songs because <laughs> there are pagan Yule songs, but they're, you want them to be like satanic and you want them to sound kind of yeah. evil and like more Gregorian chant vibe. And they're not, they're just, like, yeah, you know, seventies, bad it sounds, folk music. It sounds like bad folk Early. music that you would see, you, have, you know, go get your, uh, your tinctures and your uh, supplements too at, at the, yeah, store, right? at your local <laughs> Wiccan knickknack shop. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, so I had made, I made up some of my own, pagan yuletide songs um and then and so we did that show and then i put out you know whatever that ep on uh on Bandcamp, and uh and then you know every few years i get asked to do a holiday show and i'll dust dust off the old holiday songs and you know it's yeah i mean most people what the the hell is that man but then yeah it's also like people are like they were listening to uh, a ton of holiday music at my uh, mom's house. And uh, I'm so glad that, you know, you have a Ukrainian carol in a, you know, in a, in seven, eight. Instead of, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, oh, oh, awesome. Well, some of it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely not what you would necessarily have playing at like a Woolworths or something along those lines. Uh, right. And, right. And that's, that's kind of well because it made me think about it was sort of like, well, why not? You know, why, why wouldn't there be something like that coming from like a, a weirder place and, and for folks? Yeah, and you could s- totally slip it on at a uh, holiday playlist, you know, with the parents and yeah. the grandparents. And my mom loves it. It's great. <laughs> well, and I, I'm glad I remember to mention that because I always it's it's something that doesn't really exist for me until the holidays come by. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I always forget right. about this. <laughs> Well, I often forget about it, and then like somebody will be like, "Where is that?" And I realize that for a year or so, I've had it like on private on my Bandcamp page, and I'll, you know, then I'll make it public again. People are like, "Oh, yes." It gets it gets to be like a treat for folks, right? yeah, by by not being available all the time, always, right? <laughs> uh, so okay, and I I do want to talk about so. It does kind of seem like there's a lot of 
New York in uh, especially, you know, obviously the early stuff with the origination of, of the music. How did you feel coming back to the Pacific Northwest uh, and like having the culture and the mindset and the, you know, the different vibes for lack of a better term, I'm thinking about hippies now, I guess, uh, kind of permeate into the music and bring that other context to it. Because it's, I don't want to break it to you, but the Pacific Northwest and New York are not the same thing, Ben. So it's, you know. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, anytime you move somewhere else and you're doing any sort of artistic practice if you're unless you're a total hermit about things you know and i mean especially with performing arts i feel like you know i, I definitely am trying to adapt i'm definitely trying to make it a good experience or an experience with everybody around me right you know i'm not just uh stonewalling it and like for better or for worse doing the exact same thing i've always done so i i definitely felt i was i i adapted moving back to the Northwest. It also was no mystery, you know, coming back because I played music in the Northwest forever. Sure. Um, I remember coming through on a tour when I was still in New York and I played with um, the guitarist, Bill Horst, and uh, who's an amazing guitar player and, you know, totally goes and plays, uh, plays at a, every, every great project in Seattle and, you know, uh, it's flown into to festivals to do uh, solo guitar stuff. And we play a show, and there's like, you know, eight people or something. And I was just like, this? And we had a great bill. Like, great. I was like, is this normal? And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, like avant-garde music is, you know, it's doesn't have a, it has an audience, but it's not a, you know, this is it. Like, I, I go other places to play. And I was like, ah. Oh. You know, got, gotcha. Where meanwhile, you know, like the same time going to see like Mark Rabot play for just like, you know, fucking packed out yeah. clubs like everywhere, you know, any, any night of the week, last minute gig or whatever. Or whatever. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, that's great, you know, because, you know, you've got a much bigger pool of music listeners. So within that bigger pool, if you've got a niche thing, you can definitely still pack out a club. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I think I kind of went over this a little bit before too, just, you know, when I came back and was playing a lot of the louder music, I just sort of think of it incorporated something more aggressive from my past music into what I was already doing. Totally. And, 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 you know, a lot of that I think comes from when you, when you're coming up from that background and you have those tools in the tool chest, so to speak, I think you can, it, it kind of prepares you for, <laughs> For adversarial is the wrong word, but in a situation where uh, someone maybe that didn't have that uh, those experiences would, would experience it differently and, and maybe not be able to uh, turn it around to their benefit necessarily so much. Uh, I mean, one of the first things I when you uh, when you first came to my attention was with the, the record um, with American Full Core. The, uh, the the Tim Green Federation X record. And one of the first things that I noticed about Federation X at that time, I was like, oh, this is a band that's very comfortable with who they are. And then also that it was good, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, this isn't like, where's the bass player? Like what this is, this is a weird, and at the time, like that was a little less common <laughs> than it would be later. But there right. was definitely like, you guys had your thing locked in. Like you knew, you knew and it seemed very much 
it seemed very Pacific Northwest to me. Like I identified Federation X as, you know, oh yeah, they're like the, you know, they're like a Bellingham thing. They're, it's, it's Bellingham. That is what Bellingham is, is Federation X. Like that mindset, these guys, you know, making this like heavily rhythmic, but like kind of bizarre music that somehow fits nicely between like carp and mud honey, but has its own vibe as well. And that unique voice. And you mentioned, you know, the, we were talking earlier about like the punk rock as ethos rather than Sonic Hallmark. And I'm curious as to the origins of that band, because, you know, I've talked to you guys, I've talked to you at shows, I've talked to Bill at shows and things along those lines, but unique voice in Federation X. And obviously you're, you're much younger men there, but like, who were you looking to, to kind of like put you on a path or did you have anyone to kind of put you on a path? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, so Bo and I went to high school together and we played music together in a band called the Teamsters with Ian from Japanther and another buddy of ours. Wow, yeah. And uh, uh, so we all went to the same high school. We had the punk band and we you know, play with like unwound and, and carp and kicking giant and uh, Irvin claw trio and just this wide array of great bands in Olympia at the time. Um, and Bo and I just loved Carp and Ian. We all loved Carp so much. You know, we were just a few yeah. years younger than them. Yeah. They were like, you know, like, whoa, they're like 19, you know? They're like, whoa, this guy's like they're having so a party. and that's seasoned. So cool. <laughs> yeah. We were like, you know, 16. We're like, wow, that's so rad. Uh, and we loved their band. And uh, Bill was friends with um, with the Vanicks, so like Ian Vanick and his family from Yakima, Washington. So he would come out, him and all the people from Yakima would come out and see Cart, see Unwound, see the Yo-Yo Go-Go's and stuff like that. So we actually got to know Bill when we were all 16, 17, 18 years old. And then uh, ended up in Bellingham a couple years later, all of us. And uh, Bo and I have always had a, you know, some project happening whether or not we're playing like we've got some idea and uh picked up with bill and we're all all on a very similar you know wavelength about about music and kind of coming you know from yakima and olympia and ending up in bellingham but definitely super northwest um so i mean that's you know we started playing when we were you know 20 together the three of us as federation x and uh and just kind of came up from there and i think for us we were just you know we're just making whatever we thought was great or whatever and 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 by the time we started playing you know it had moved very far in our minds it moved very far from carp it was still sort of loud punishing music through like sun amplifiers and like playing the drums as hard as you can which i only realized way later was like not a normal way to play, not the way that most people play. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, doesn't everybody hit the drums as hard as you can and play with the loudest amps you possibly yeah. can? Why wouldn't like, you? Why would that? you not do that? Yeah. Like, that's what the playing music is. Um, but yeah, so you know, I think we went into some different directions, but it definitely very much in that um, in that category. And you know, and and on I like I said carp. And we like loved Carp's humor and we loved those dudes and like our high school band toured with them and we just thought they were hilarious and we just loved their style and loved that it was not serious, but yet the music was really amazing. Yeah, the music and, was uh, serious, but the 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 sort of 
the the approach to it it had a fun vibe without it necessarily lacking in seriousness right yeah i mean and i just and and growing up with that and that was pretty true across a lot of the people that were playing music in olympia at the time um maybe that's not true but yeah i think a lot of people did not (laughs) it was really an aspect where like you know the sort of rock star thing was was a was a very bullshit front to put on yourself to go out and play music in front of like between 50 and 150 people like you're a total asshole you like <laughs> acting like a rock star and that's you know i mean and that's that's a fact that's like not even you know i mean that's just like yeah. that's it's just true and uh so i think uh, anyway we're you know way into that and and then of course unwound as well was yeah one of my was favorites all like, time you <laughs> mental to all of us in the Northwest. And, and I think also in the Northwest, we had so much music happening there and also including, you know, stuff happening in Seattle. Um, like you said, mud honey. And, you know, when I was in, you know, like 14, I loved gas huffer more than anything, you know, and like yeah. go to all these cool, all the shows, yeah. seaweed. And there was so much great stuff happening in, and Olympia was such a robust scene and kind of a center of a scene that interestingly, like I just, we had blinders on to a lot of parts, lots of scenes in other parts of the country, which I didn't really start to notice until, you know, we started, started yeah, driving around the country. Right. You know, it's like go to California people. Like, you don't know Hickey. I was like, yeah. no, no, <laughs> you know, they're going to, you know, out on the East Coast, like, you don't listen to Yola Tango all the time. It's like, no, they didn't come into the, Play that same show in that basement in Olympia that we used right, to go to. Right. <laughs> well, and that's and that's something where I think Federation X kind of came in at not the tail end, but nearing the tail end of before the internet kind of made it all one big homogenous thing. And it's something where there's upsides to that. Like it means like okay, any weirdo. <laughs> making, and I mean this is a compliment. Any weirdo just making a record now has the opportunity to have their stuff heard around the world, like immediately. Yeah. But by the same token, you lose a little bit of those uh, sort of more colloquial, regional experiences and things where, yeah, where it was like, oh man, you know, in in you know in Green Bay we had an amazing show, and like we got to make sure we play Green Bay next time, and then like you know, right, and like it being like this this idea that you can build something for yourselves almost based on happenstance. Uh, like who happened to be at the show at that time. Right. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah. So for me, like, you know, I, I came, when I came into it, I was, I was very much, I mean, Federation X was a product for me, like from the outset of like, these guys are, you know, I love what the, it chugles. You know, I remember it was, I was like, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's like, you don't see much like loud, heavy rock that chugles in this way. <laughs> And I was just fascinated by the whole, like, I'm like, is that, is that like a baritone? Like what's going, there's like bass strings, but like not like what, what, what is actually happening here? But you guys seem so unique in your voice and propulsively put forward that it, it sold it. And, and it wouldn't have worked if the songs weren't good. Uh, and that's something where, again, because I had that early exposure, you guys were like who I thought of when I thought of Bellingham. <laughs> yeah, you were the reason why I wanted to go tour to Bellingham. You know, I, I was like, "Oh man, that's where Federation Federation X is from," and like, "Oh, let's go play the Three B Tavern." You know, and antics would then ensue. And I, I always thought it was fascinating that all the records through uh, the growth and development kind of seemed to have their own vibe and their own 
thing you guys were doing, you know, the, the first one was Tim, if I remember correctly. Second second one was, was Steve. No, wait, wait, because there's that first one that's the... The, yeah, we the, recorded it at the college, like a self-titled. The self-titled, self-titled one, yeah. right? But but so American folk horror was Tim Green, and then Expatriate. You recorded with Steve. Is that is that yeah? Ex- Expatriate, yeah. So it occurred to me that like okay, you had this this evolution for your sound, and all the records like had their own vibe and their own voice, and it always to me coming out from the outside, I was like, ah, this is going to be the one that everyone. <sighs> catches on to and gets into awesome this is it ah, i'm so stoked for this and then it just kind of seemed like for whatever reason that the timing well in some cases was very piss poor or just the, the world kind of went another way like well um american american folk horror was like 2001 if i remember correctly yeah right yep and it kind of seemed like just as as hard working of a, of a touring band as you guys were it seemed like the air got let out of the tires by like events and exterior events that it never, you guys were always kind of like not quite in phase with being able to yeah. parlay that I mean, into a bigger thing. And I think that, yeah, I mean, it's, and there's, and, you know, personally, we blew some opportunities as well. It's a little bit of both, but definitely as, you know, the, the 2000s went on after 9 11 or whatever, um, or I should say after 2001, after that first record. Um, you know, I d- definitely we would go into all of these towns and these small scenes and we started noticing the people our age in their 20s or and younger were definitely moving. There was like a lot of dance punk happening. You know, it's like right. and then and then we're right, right into a lot of dance music. And uh, and, you know, we're like, like, you know. It's like a bunch of boars just like playing with like grinding music. <laughs> or like, all right, whatever, you know. And still, you know, it's like making great friends, making having great time, and making fans, and you know, whatever. But it didn't um, sound like you know third generation gang of four ripoffs, which is what everybody was like really busy trying to do. Yeah, yeah, it definitely felt there's a little bit of that, right? Where it's like the wrong time or whatever. But also that music is exactly of that time, so I can't say that. And the other thing I think is when Expatriate came out, we had been touring just nonstop for years, yeah, and in Europe, yeah. back hitting it so hard and we were hitting over and over again the full u.s and then you know interspersing that with up and down california all the time and uh the interpersonal stuff got uh just really harshed out and so by the time that came out we took a we didn't tour on it when it came out bill was living in new york Bo and i were living in bellingham doing something different so we sort of missed you know, I personally, like, you know, we, yeah. like, none of us would ever regret that because it was also like, it was exactly, you know, we just had to do exactly what we had to do. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that, you know, Touch and Go and Dave Kreider at Estrus totally regretted that we didn't tour <laughs> right on, like, on that record right, and go do five more tours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in retrospect, we were young and just hungry and taking every tour and we would do shit like in the middle of a tour, we'd get a phone call and be like, can you guys be in? Austin, like, well, you know, we'll, we'll change your other show that was in, you know, Louisiana yeah. to another date. Can you guys turn around and be at this festival? We just got offered it. And we're like, yeah, it's only 16 hours away. Yeah. Like, let's do it. You <laughs> know, it's just like, down the street practically. Yeah. <laughs> doing shit like that all the time. And I feel like that was our approach to touring. And what, you know, in retrospect would have been better is to have pumped the brakes a little bit 
written a record and do what you know people say you're supposed to do is then tour on the record yeah. instead of just touring incessantly and then you know recording a record while you're on tour and then just totally burned out so you know we didn't really play much after the record came out for long it was a while before we finally went on tour and you know that definitely didn't help getting that record out and about and any anything we had built up for that record it's like oh that's how you know the music record market works like you build up and if you don't tour them it's you sort of it has lose that cycle. moment yeah so, well and if something you know has the some stuff catches fire and becomes something that that you know people discover new every year but if you're trying to do it as a sustainable model of like having like the live band along with making the records if you don't have if you don't find a way to lock into that flow and that timeline whatever that happens to be if you're misaligned or out of phase in that way then you're you're not ever really going to get the benefits of it and it's a shame because i think that um you know expatriate's a great record as well I, I still listen to that record to this day and when i play for people they're like wow what is this you know just like with folk horror uh they're they're records that have aged well you know they don't sound of of their times which i mean there's <laughs> there's bands that i even listen to that from that time period it's like oh yeah that sounds exactly like this year and i don't mean that as a <laughs> compliment <laughs> um and then so and then you, you got a break for a while uh how did rally day come about um yeah so rally day then came about um we did some more touring and then we started going out. Bill was living in New York at the time. Yeah. Cause you were doing the cross, not, not cross continental, cross, <laughs> trans America. We started, you know, <laughs> Bo and I would go and Yeah. So we started just going out to New York a lot and touring from there and, uh, and just playing around there. And then, uh, so at some point during all that, we ended up in Bellingham and I think we were writing songs in a studio, in our friend's studio to go on a tour and uh we realized that we were only like a couple songs away from from having a full record and we were already set up and we had you know been renting out my friend's studio for uh a week and a half or something so we just rented it out for another week decided to record the record and recorded it um uh ryan ryan anderson who's did more you know definitely more of sort of garage rock kind of recordings so it was a different for us um but it was also nice because it was the you know first time um that we were just recording at home you know which, yeah. was, which was great besides the one we made you know at the local college studio which was you know whatever totally uh, hard to listen to record or whatever sonically um so yeah we you know and and, and again the band like you know those decisions we we're talking about like there's those sort of retrospect it would have been smart to do this other thing all of our decisions have always been about like maintaining our friendships because we started this band so young there was never like this is the band leader and these and we're the hired guns and you know they'll get right. a new drummer <laughs> yeah, yeah we all write songs together and uh we didn't know any different than that and we were you know like i said friends from high school so that was even when we would argue or whatever the most important thing is that we are like maintaining our like friendship and so like that break we took needed to happen right like we needed to not go on tour or else we definitely would never have like been friends you know like who knows what but like it would have, would have been a horrible time and uh and so 
by the time uh, Rally Day came around, we were playing again a lot and uh, having fun. And so that album, I think, was just like a lot of us having a ton of fun and like and, and getting back on it and writing new stuff. And we were playing, uh, we had several songs at that time where like I played through both amps and Bill just became a solo lead singer. Yeah. Which made those shows. And so for that, that whole period, you know, we toured a lot and, uh, and uh, you know, Bill's out in the crowd and it was great. And we went back to Europe um, and ended up also in Tel Aviv around then, um, did a series of shows there. And, you know, and so it was the, the music was like a lot funner, you know, I think we were just like really, really amped up. And, and uh, anyway, yeah, that's how that's the, that's that record. Yeah, and then you know I saw uh, the the tour too, and and it did uh, occur to me that you know the the Bill puts down the guitar and becomes the front person uh, thing was like oh that's this is a different this hits a little differently now like this has got like a different vibe like it had like a very um, and it wasn't a, a thing like oh he's doing a Jesus lizard thing or anything like that it was just like oh no this is, this is hitting differently and I I think you, you I remember you had Josh from uh, uh, Dog Shredder playing second guitar for you. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that was around the, um, that was the ten, around the 10 inch, I think it was, it was that tour. I think it was like, was it the cover wagon still? Or was it something different? I'm trying to remember if, uh, yeah. It might have been oh, well, Josh. It might've been whatever the covered wagon became. Might've been cherry bar at that point. Or, uh, oh, I remember. <laughs> it, it had a, it was the covered wagon and the covered wagon was great and beloved by all. And then they changed it to something else and that didn't work. And they changed it to something else and that didn't work. And then it shut yeah, right. So, they, and that was, and that, yeah. So then we had a minute where we did a, we did a single, we wrote some of these songs and, uh, again, Bill was, I can't remember. If was that the only he was tool? Kind of back that was, was that was that that ten inch? I've got yeah. it somewhere. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know we, it, so we put that one out and did a West Coast tour with Josh playing guitar, and we played played a bit around the Northwest with Josh, and then yeah, up and down the coast, and then um, and that was great. We just taught Josh um, from Josh Holland from Dog Shredder and. Uh, what what did dog shredder become? Wild, uh, wild, uh, wild, 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 wild. I was Man, just gonna say wild stallions. It's like it's definitely not wild stallions. Uh, <laughs> that's Josh might actually appreciate that. I don't know, uh, but yeah, uh, wild and and yeah, freaking amazing player, yeah, great thrower. dude. Uh, oh, absolutely, amazing player, amazing player, awesome dude. Uh, and it was great because he was super into it, and uh, you just. <laughs> I just watched that movie with my kids. I loved it. Great. Um, I like that yeah, we Josh, both went for it. I don't feel so bad that I wasn't the only one that immediately thought of Wild right, Stallions. <laughs> right. right, right. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a it was a great moment, and you know, and then we just, Bill was just out in front, and uh, we wrote some new songs with Josh, and he's a different kind of guitar player. Um, and he was able to play Bill's songs, but change them up a little bit. And so it was, it was great. And then we got back and like the week we got back, I moved to New York and, uh, then we, we played a little bit here and there, but you know, we, th that was around the time we stopped playing for a while. Yeah. There, there was a cessation of Federation X activity for, for a while. And then 2007, we, we, yeah, we stopped playing and we played like a, Josh Vanek, um, 
the mighty dragon. At, at, uh, got Total it. Fest. Yeah. Yep. When I play Total Fest, I'm trying to remember the, the radio station out there. KGBA. Uh, yeah. Yes. Sponsored us to come out one year and play, and uh, which was great. And uh, and we played Bellingham a few times and played in New York a few times. And then, uh, you know, we did a, a monotonics tour. I guess, you know, we, we every few years we'd start playing again and write another seven inch or something like that. It was um, kind of like a more of a low power settings for what the band was at the time, but definitely yeah. kept active in a, in a sustainable way. Uh, and then what was it? It was like 2013. 2012 2013 was when you uh, did the uh well the, i remember i saw the songs first live with big business maybe um before i by before i heard the recording but you ended up uh, recording uh with death nephews uh with uh toshi, yeah. and, toshi and dale and the, the criminally underrated we do what we must lp which i think might be the first one that actually has bass on the record, at least. It does, yeah. <laughs> I, I overdubbed the bass on the whole album. Yeah, and it, uh, you're just like, oh, we could have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> well, you know, I was... I was I, for another reason, I was recently re-listening to some expatriate, and, and I was it's like, oh, we, we didn't do, like, any overdubs. You know, it's yeah. like, if I would do an overdub, it would be so minimal. The goal at the time being just to, like, accurately represent like everything everything that is there to be in the song is already there yeah like in the composition of it is what how we thought of it um but then yeah with deaf nephews we were like let's bust out that piano you know let's <laughs> let's get and then like yes of course let's put bass on the whole album because it sounds awesome and we played some shows just a handful after the album came out with um hosey um i i i'm so pissed at myself for not seeing that. Yeah, because I, I've, I've and it was very, very few. We, we played a festival in in Portland. Um, what is it called? Oh, why am I forgetting the name of it? Oh, it's a great festival. Anyway, we played a festival in uh, in Portland, and you know, and and shows throughout the Northwest with Hose, and uh, that was amazing because yeah. you know. He's a great bass player and is a super awesome person. Yeah, just, and, a, just uh, an all-around was, badass, just an asset and, to humanity, and then a great player as well. And, yeah. and it finally, <laughs> and it finally had that one thing that you know people were telling us was missing, and we we're like, "Fuck you!" You know, we don't need a bass player, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, get assholes, shut up. And uh, you know, but uh, anyway, and and, uh, and so there it was, and it, and it sounded massive. You know, it was great, yeah. and uh, and. That, that was incredible. But then we pretty much stopped playing after, yeah, after so that. It, it kind of almost seemed like, like at the time I was like, oh man, this is like a whole different Federation X chapter. That's awesome. Like yeah. coming out from perspective. Well, I mean, I think I knew you guys at that point, but like just coming out from the perspective of, as a fan. And, uh, you know, I, I think that was a great match too with like Toshi just being like, he provides a environment that's, it makes you feel welcome to experiment and, and try different yeah, yeah. stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think there was even the, uh, there was like the one song, like the, the first hook on it is like, like an oscillator or something. If I remember right. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, as I think as far as, as maybe, you know, like song wise or sound wise, like I think people generally might go to American folk or expatriate, but I think as a fully realized vision, it almost kind of seems like, that's the go-to Federation X record. And like, oh, it's probably the best recording. I mean, the recording is so great. Each song was realized so well. Like we had, 
you know, we had sort of everything mapped out ahead of time. I mean, we, we always did have things mapped out, but I feel like, you know, at that point I had recorded so many albums with different people and um, Bill knew exactly what he wanted to do with the vocals. And, uh, uh, and Toshi and Dale are so great, as you know, and they're just it's so creative and uh, so great at capturing, like, you know, and it, we had never worked with a producer before. Right. Um, so both of you know, they, they actually produce a record, which is, you know, something that, you know, Steve Albini does not want to say he does and doesn't. <laughs> yes. And, and, Tim, and Tim either. Tim Green would, I mean, he probably would produce a record now, but I, I, I don't know his stance on it, but it, it definitely was sort of like, let's make this sound rad. What you're doing sound rad. Yeah. So that's a, that album does sound amazing. Yeah, it made it made you sound more. You know, it was Federation X, but more. And it was something where... I don't even know if I would have expected that from you guys necessarily, especially having like seen some of you play some of those songs live. I'm like, oh yeah, these songs are cool. You know, are they going to play Southern Comfort? You know, <laughs> but, right, right. but uh, like to hear it in that fully realized form, it's like, oh no, I think I get it. And then like, I was like, oh man, Hosey's playing. Them. Oh, so cool. And it kind of seemed like you were set up for this whole next chapter, like I said, and then just that didn't happen. It just, just, yeah, it didn't happen. And you know, we're again, Again, it's like, you know, we're, we're, yeah, and on one hand, we are more professional and better at everything we do each individually. So, of course, the record that we're making with these amazing producers is going to be sort of the best version of what we can do. And we all went into it um, to make the best thing, you know, to realize the, the everybody's idea in the best way possible. Um, but also, our lives are, you know, just more complicated. Yeah, there's more factors to it. There's more elements. Right. As opposed to when we were younger and we would just, you know, literally just quit whatever job we would have with the drop of a hat and just go to work forever. Um, so, you know, you know, it, it, now, I mean, it's like Bill was working on films and, uh, so, you know, and I, I've got my own projects going on and a family. And so we, I work with Bill, you know, on a daily, weekly basis, sometimes a daily basis, I'm, uh, making music for his films. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm getting texts from him right now about a project that we're working on. Right. And uh, it couldn't, you know, I mean, it couldn't be better. It's like, you know, like, and, and Bo doesn't live far from me now. And where we are, have maintained those friendships over, over the other stuff. And, and I think that is, an important thing for all of us. And that has always remained the most important is to support each other and our, our goals. Um, and yeah, now our collaborations, bonus Bill and I's collaborations are making, making movies together. And, yeah. You know, which is he, kind of amazing. I mean, especially. Yeah. And we've done, <laughs> we're working on our third feature length film together right now. Right. Which is, uh, which is incredible. And, you know, Bo and I still write music together. Um, albeit in more of like an emailing things back and forth form um, for now, but we'll probably play together again. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's, that's where I'm sort of driving at. And, and again, I think it's important to mention that everyone has their own lives and their own things that are going on, but to still have that friendship, to have that, um, that friendship that extends into you know, a sibling like nature, like a brotherhood almost. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, do you consider, <coughs> do you guys consider Federation X like a closed book at this point? Or do you think you could like pick it back up at some point if, if, if a situation, not that anyone's doing much of anything right now, don't get me wrong, but well, right. <laughs> conceptually, like, do you think you would ever do a FedEx record again to do an adventure based mini tour or something along those lines? Or, is it just, or does that kind of seem like something that like, no, that's in the past now? I mean, if we, I feel like, you know, we all are doing a lot of creative projects. Right. Not that, I, not everyone's so like I'm sitting on their hands. We're working you know, on all on levels of music. I've got my music stuff is happening full blast on, on all yeah. levels. So I'm not lacking in the like, wouldn't it be great to just go out and jam? I, you know, I'd love to hang out with those guys. And, and I do like playing those songs. But another thing is, you know, even since, I mean, ever since we started playing, we definitely will are known to pull out a, uh, you know, something from Southern Comfort or whatever way after the fact of that record. But we also would never, we never wanted to tour and and play without writing new music. Yeah, it always uh, seemed like it was very focused on whatever you guys were doing at that time, with the exception of like, yeah, maybe so like throwing we, in a Charlie Jackie Freedom Prize. Even when we went out to play um, Total Fest, you know, at that time we hadn't played for a few years. And... Uh, the way that we decided that we wanted to do it rather than being the sort of like um, legacy act, you know, like coming back together. Cause it was around the time that everybody was doing that yeah. stuff at all festivals all over big bands doing that. We didn't want to be like a small like Northwest version of that or whatever. So, you know, we sat and we wrote songs in New York, Bill and I with Bo and like sending stuff back and forth and got together in Montana, you know, a few days early and, figured out how to play the songs and, and did it. And, and every time we've gotten back together again, we've never, you know, even if somebody offered us a show and then the goal is like, well, then we should write something some new. new song. Yeah. Yeah. Cause why would we just go out there and do that same thing again? We've all got, we'll go play the hits period. that never were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and I, I mentioned it not because I feel like there's any, like that there's a feel like there's anything wanting uh, in your current work at all, but just, again, I, I can't stress this enough. I feel like that's Federation X is just kind of a band that it, it stuff was always just a little out of phase, like almost, Oh yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, like, over and over again, but has this incredible catalog that's actually aged fairly well. Like I feel like the songs still kick. You know, you could play it, you could play it for someone now, and people like, oh wow, you know, who's this band? Great, this is awesome. And in a way that again, you know, that's that's the idea, right? When you're when you're making a record, you don't necessarily want to make something ephemeral and and that's going to be instantly digested and then moved past. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't want to like belabor the point or anything, but I think it is, it is something that it would be a worthy band that I could, I could see you guys like, you know, in five years, like, you know, making a new record and like doing some cool stuff. And like, it, it means like, Oh, what is this? What is this going to look like? I bet it's going to be fantastic. And like taking all that you've learned with, uh, you know, the, the film scoring and, and taking elements of that and like finding a way to translate it that no one has thought of yet. Uh, into this new way and I'm a fan of the band but I, I think it, it's an interesting story because it's almost like a documentary that doesn't have the end written yet 
Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, you know, there's a certain narrative like hits and like and, and, and certain I mean, come on, you do film, you know how this works. That like it's almost like, oh no, right. that, that, that last act hasn't really <laughs> come together, like whatever that is. Like whether it's the uh you know, whether was it Anvil where they go to they they play in Japan or whatever. Is that is that right, right. the right one? You know, there isn't there isn't that like <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's movies, right? Like it's not necessarily something that happens in life, but there's, there, there to me, it always seems like there's like like a missing FedEx denouement or uh, last <laughs> last back half of the ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I can see that. And and also, I you know, I personally like uh, like um, I feel when I'm digging into a band's discography, um, I like to go towards the end of their active period like yeah i know a lot of people love the early like oh, it's all about the early stuff like i really love seeing what people that have been playing together for a long time what's their weird late record like what's that right. all about <laughs> yeah, like i like i often right, i often totally. find <laughs> a lot uh, a lot in the in those sort of situations i mean and for and for me the case of point is is that uh, the last unwound record uh the leaves yeah, turn side yeah. you like, that is incredible and uh, you know when it when it came out, we played some shows with them, and I heard it. And uh, but I think at that time I was like, I, I loved. I just was such a big fan when I was younger, and 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 loved you know a ton of those records, and grew up with all of those records. And then you know as time went on, and like I listened to that leaves. You know, I listen to it every year. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an evergreen record for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And every time I dive into it, you know, I I listen to it repeatedly, and like it's it's, and to me, that's just you know this this like amazing product of having played together for so long and developed a sound for so long and developed a recording style and develop all of that without really ceasing. And what does that look like after eight years, ten years? Now to I guess ten years. And uh, so what does that last record look like? And that's, I mean, that's kind of the best case scenario version of that. But I, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of the late era stuff. So I should say that, you know, I agree with you. Our last chapter is going to be the best one. That's going right? to be your leaves turn inside you that you, <laughs> that you guys get together and make. <laughs> or, or it's just like, and then Ben died. And then we, oh. <laughs> then we found out his secrets. Yeah, but he faked his death, and then he came. You know, like whatever, like so the, the, the manufacturer behind the music uh, drama, right? That <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I wanted to. I wanted to also mention. Um, I love that the uh, what is it the second record, the one that's uh, the that's just like the uh, the the one you have that's just called two. We have like uh, it's the professional band. Was the name of the yeah. band? I thought that was the most cle- like I was like that's amazing, like that's just like from a nomenclature perspective and someone clearly having fun with the form. I was like the professional band blew me away. I was like that's genius. How come no? How come no one's done that yet? That's amazing. Uh, again, you know we we've we've talked soundtracks quite a lot and for good reason. Uh, I do want to talk about that one a little bit because there is there is almost like a. I think people overuse David Lynch as a reference. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I get I, it a lot, but I understand. What I, people, I love, I mean. love David Lynch to death, but I feel like when people say Lynchian, they usually mean one specific thing, and that isn't the thing that I mean. 
when I right. say right, they, they mean a Mark Frost TV show. Right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's more the like like the use of tension in that, and um, and and mood building with it, and it's something where. What year was that? Was a, that second record was what year? That was uh, was twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. What? Where am I? My off base. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah. So, what was in your mind for that for that period? Because we talked a little bit. You know, we t- we talked about the new record, of course, and we talked about the uh, the, the the germination of the idea, the back <laughs> the background music that is not background music for people in the bar. Uh, but talk to me about that middle period. Talk to me about that middle period where you're sure. you don't you you're not back in the Northwest yet. Um, you've got the professional band, which is incredible. Like what's sure, yeah. So it, so you know it, the first just a quick rewind. The first album was called Great Melodies for from Around. Great Melodies from Around. Yeah, which is and also that great. record was <laughs> all all recorded like a fifty square foot studio. It's all me, and it's just like the idea was that it sounded like found cassettes and like lost broken records and then the broken record sound becomes the beat and the whole thing you know then it becomes like am radio and it sounds like you're dialing some sort of 70s station and that was the whole idea and the, the whole record seamless right like it never stops um and so i made that uh album and put that out um and following that up i got together a band the person i was working with that record out was like we got you know we got to get you know you got to get a band together and so i just sort of the people i chose were my favorite musicians um and that that were around me and um like absolutely professional like that like that was the thing like i couldn't even use the name ever again because they they were seriously so professional the uh pianist um denise fillion uh was finishing up her doctorate in piano performance um, wow! From, so, so a doctor. They're, like, of, they're, they're super. Yeah, <laughs> the actual doc, doctor she, of the doctor. He's of a piano, doctor yeah. of piano. Yeah. The yeah. bass player is a <laughs> doctor of history, but also a very competent studio musician uh, who, you know, has performed on a ton of you know, it's a total studio cat guy. Um, and the drummer Anthony Lamarca um, has his own career and and also plays like War on Drugs. And it's a total studio dude and a touring professional touring musician. So getting that group of together to play those songs from the first record was the impetus to write the second record. I was like, I like I can write anything on sheet music, which I'm not great at. You know, it wasn't a practice that I had with Federation X or whatever. But I, you know, I kind of knew how to do it. But I was like, okay, with with Denise, I can write, or with the whole band. I write out sheet music for them. It's like, all right, what what can I do with a band that can just all sit there and look at it and just play it? And so the the songs I had, I just arranged like that. And uh, it was the sort of experiment, like what happens if you have like a, if, you know, like a, a total studio cat band and then there's just this sort of like weird element happening over it. Right. So that was sort of the element. It would be the weird element in this case. Yes. Right. 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 You know, but it's like, it's kind of the Steely Dan method, right? You know, where you just get like the best killer play. Yeah. Right. And they they lay it down. Um, And that band was incredible because, you know, again, it would be so minimal. And unlike Von Wilhelm House, that one would be so minimal, but with a ton of space, kind of like a low key 
the Booker T vibe. You know, like oh, I, totally. I, I can hear that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Things were dry and like bass and drums were so locked in and the and Anthony who played drums would often, you know, play no more than like a tom and like one cymbal for a whole song. Minimal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um and you know, he played for years with Dean and Britta and did a similar sort of thing in, in that band, which is anyway, incredible musician. He's got a ton of albums out, plays with everyone. Uh, but that was the impetus behind that record was to do, to see what we could do, you know, and I, and um, I got Clara Kennedy, who is a professional violinist and a, a great singer to sing on all of side one. And side two is the singer songwriter, Scott Matthew, um, who's another person to play shows with in New York. Um, and who has, he's amazing. And has you know, it's like a great career, and I was able to say, like, would you come into the studio and record the song? Um, so each, so the album actually is a is a mirror record, which is something that I feel like I explained a lot around at the time. And I spent a ton of time making this true. And it's such a weird concept that nobody cares about. But if you look <laughs> at the grooves on the record, grooves are identical on, on each side. Oh, they it, look it, like... Yeah, it's got a... Um, uh... I'm blanking on the term, but it, it, it's uh, where it's like the not synergy. What am I thinking of? Where, where it's it's um, the same on both sides. Symmetrical. Symmetrical. Yeah, it's totally symmetrical. So the whole side one, you know, it's like the first song is two minutes and thirty-seven seconds, and on the other side is part two of that song, two minutes and thirty-seven seconds, and all of side two has Scott singing, and all of side one has Clara, and both songs end with like a ballad with you know actual vocals and text. Um, and we played around New York a lot um, after, before that record came out, but as we were recording that record. Um, and that was, you know, it's great. And, and Clara played with us a lot. Scott played with us a bit. And uh, that band was incredible. And, you know, I've, I've played with that a band. Professional band, yes. <laughs> and, you know, and subsequently after moving to, back to uh, Washington State in 2012, um, would still return and play with that band. Um, and then I guess, you know, working with Clara on that, the next record, my concept of the next record was like, oh, I just have to have a whole record full of like ballads with a singer, you know? And that's what I started working on for Von Wildenhouse. And, and we found Amanda, and, you know, that I wrote it's all. Obviously amazing. Full. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, and that's, um, and again, you know, it, it, there's certain, Hallmarks that people always use when it's sort of moody music with like you know a powerful female vocal presence that that aren't always the most accurate, but they get used every time, right? Like you know that people think of your Beth Gibbons, they think of your Julie Cruises, and things along those lines. And I think that's more because of a limited lexicon of examples to pull from than it does from any actual sonic hallmarks. But I mean, it, it can't be overstated that uh, you know these aren't punk rock vocals. <laughs> right like she's she's coming from a very like you know powerful place with what she's doing and oh know, amanda's pronouns are amanda, amanda's pronouns are they them oh okay i'm sorry so 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 they're coming at it from this real powerful place but it's not a it, even though it has all this power and 
force behind it, it, it doesn't sound forceful. Like it just sounds, it has, there's like a quiet authority to it. And I, I think it, I, I, you might've mentioned like opera earlier, right? It's almost it has that mindset of just having that, uh, yeah, that, 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 that stately presence. that's just, it's like yeah. there where you're like, huh? Like and Amanda, <laughs> Amanda talks about, Amanda talks about Klaus Nomi. Klaus Nomi is a, a bit, great example because that's comes right? to working so that's, at Rock um, but yeah, it's that's absolutely a specific. Yeah. That's a specific thing that Amanda talks about. Like, did you ever see the Klaus Nomi? Which I think it's. Uh, I think it's Saturday Night Live. Klaus Nomi with Bowie doing uh, Man Who Sold uh-huh. the World. God, <laughs> so good. And and you're just like, yeah, what? The? Like, yeah. if I saw that when I was a kid, I'd, I would have been like, what's going on right now? This is amazing. I mean, I saw it as an adult and I thought that, but really, if I thought it as a kid. Uh, but yeah, she's got that same. Uh, they sorry, has got that same, she, she, that same presence and and that same kind of like thing that, whatever mood building you have going around you, that's almost like an, an anchor that uh, can someone can focus on to have like the world sort of build around them, almost like um, <laughs> you know, there, there's expressiveness happening to it uh, all around, like like an Argento movie or something along those lines. But there there's. There's something to hold on to, so you don't just get like lost in the expressionism. Uh, just to over to use an art example, and I think it's interesting that it wouldn't necessarily be the first thing that I would have thought of for the for the direction of the band to go. But I'm I'm fully I'm fully for it. Also, I I want to mention that I did notice this, the even though I couldn't think of the word the symmetrical nature of the record. I actually did notice it. So somebody did. Oh, notice her. Nice. Yes. <laughs> That makes me stoked beyond belief. But I'm I'm the kind of guy that's going to notice stuff like that because that's just the kind of guy I am. Uh, but yeah, you dive in, you dive in, you dive in. I dig that. So, I do too. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 for the people that it's for, right? When you do something like that. Yeah. Uh, but when you have it. when you have when you have someone with presence and power and, and a voice like that, how do you think about that in terms of composition? Like, how do you think about it in terms of, of utilizing that uh, you know that particular tool in the toolbox? Right. I mean, I, I, so that's, uh, I, I think, you know, when now we're writing music, it's like a thought will pop in my head. It's not, it's not me playing guitar and like writing a song and then being like, all right, we got another one. This is great. Like a thought pops in my head and like this kind of song that has this kind of chord change kind of build to it or has this kind of vibe like we need that and like i can picture it i like before i can hear it like picture it i can and i and i and that will work with the way amanda sings that'll work with the groove we have going on that's going to be great with the deadpan and everything else happening around um and then i write the song and you know and then it, it, sometimes it doesn't work but other times i can can pull it out right you know and it's like we need this sort of like velvet underground type of song to happen mm. here in the yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. And like, and like, I'll just for a minute, I'll just be able to picture Amanda singing this, and then I'll be like, okay, now I gotta, now I can hear it. Now I gotta find the chords and the lyrics and you write can reverse the whole thing. engineer the song out of the out of yeah, the exactly. Like okay. I know what sure. I want, and then and then we, it, and then you know move forward. And if Amanda had not started singing with us, and we had found somebody else to sing, it would. The, we probably would have gone in a different direction. I uh, absolutely write the music for, you know, the, the, the band that I play with right now. And, and, you know, and, and absolutely they, they contribute so much musically to it. 
um, in no way is it like like the, my demo of a song or whatever changes it's so a, many yeah, times. Yeah, it's time. not going to be like a if, if you were here the demo and hear the finished version, it would be a wildly different beast. Uh, right, right, absolutely. Did you give any thought? because of that and and the players involved being such a big part of the ethos and the execution did you give any thought to trading it under a different name or were you yeah yeah so we you know for a while it was uh, what was it for a little bit you know it, it was like ben von wildenhaus professional band and then i was like well you know that's not it's not that band. It's a different thing yeah. happening. It's a different and group of professionals. So you can't really call. <laughs> Pass around all these different ideas. And, you know, we, and, and, and absolutely thought about just like completely changing, changing the direction. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's like, you know, it's like Danzig, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, just name it after your last name, dude. Um, Kip Winger, you know, these legends. Kip Winger. Yes, like the legend Kip Winger, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> the legend Kip Winger, who now also writes music for film, I think. Uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen. Am I just calling him out? These are our, these are our, our legends. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, these are our heroes. I think it's, I think, well, I Dan, actually. Don Dawkins. Don Dawkins. Should I go on? <laughs> I had a, a, a um, George Lynch screaming demon pickup in my uh, my nice. main replicator guitar for years. It was a really good pickup, and I was like, you know what? I actually don't like Dawkins at all, but <laughs> I got to say this pickup—it's for me. Uh, nice. That's a story about pickups, anyway. But, but I, I appreciate this stick to itiveness of of like, no, this is you know, you're you're imbuing the essence into the name, and I think that that's you know, not not from like a a 360 deal personal brand situation, but even though there's been these different iterations of it down the line, I think it it works because if, even if you're not necessarily this Svengali like figure, you're, you're guiding everything. Like you're, you're, you're you're the captain of this particular ship and there's no illusion about that. And I think that that's something that makes sense. And I, you know, I, I think it works. And, and I think it's something where, you know, I appreciate, that that's the flag that, that that flies under and i think i think that there's a certain respectability for lack of a better term uh for that so makes yeah, sense and i you know I, I see it it as a natural i mean you know maybe not predictable but it is the natural outcome of the other two records none of those three records sound anything alike um but they definitely no, no, they're, all they're very everyone has its own vibe I and mean, that's why it almost can be difficult to Describe to folks because of that, because you know people have that. Is this the same band? Like mo- yeah. <laughs> moment where they're like, is, is this the the dude with the oscillator? Is this the same thing? You know, is this the is this the guy with the right. Christmas record? You know, is this the guy with the professional band? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like right. <laughs> but they all are different aspects of it, and I think it, it works within the larger dy- dynamic of what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's a great record. What 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 kind of thing do you think you're going to be doing next with it? That's going to be, you know, possible in these unprecedented times that we're in. What are we going to be doing next with the record or with, I mean, I mean, is like, you know, well, first of all, everything seems to take great effort these days, uh, but you know, maintaining any kind of creative envisioning and uh, 
having that path forward is there's no map for any of this and there's no rules. No. For any of this. I mean, you know, in our, um, bass player, uh, Aaron Harmonson recorded that whole album and engineered everything. And, um, he's, you know, he's great. He's engineered a ton of records and, uh, yeah, it sounds so it's great, great working yeah. with Aaron. And because of that, we sort of have this great, you know, as long as Aaron's willing to do it, um, we're able to, you know, this is true for a lot of bands. We're able to record, you know, what we want to record without, you know, spending a ton of money. Um, so right now we're all still social distancing because everyone wants to be safe. Yeah. And, uh, the goal though, the next step is just, we have a lot of songs because believe it or not, that last record took years to, to record. So with some of those recordings, the initial recording that we later added to are years ago. Um, but we are going to start, re- we have already started recording and the, and the idea will be instead of sort of building it up over a long time and releasing a proper album, um, it's just to be putting the songs out one by one. Mm, doing as like singles almost, one. like where it's, it's sort of yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we have some songs that, you know, I, I feel like were written lyrically a couple of years ago or in the last two years. And, and, uh, we, it would be good timing to get them out now. And as far as, you know, recording the band, like I definitely feel like, you know, when we're out, out and about playing something live a lot, you, you want to capture that at, there's a sweet spot, yeah. you know, when it's still fresh, but it's, it's also, you know, everyone sort of figured it out or we've changed things and, and we've had a chance to, to play it a lot. Um, but not so much that it's, you know, Tired. no longer. Like it, it's, oh. it still has life to it. There, there's, um, any yeah. To it still. yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you got to record a song when it's like your favorite song. Right. And then, you know what I mean? And then like, yeah, yeah, if every yeah. song is your, was at the moment you captured it, your favorite song ever, I feel like that's a pretty good way to have, an album, you know, or, or, or like I said, we'll, we'll just put them out one by one. And, uh, if at some point we compile that digitally under its own thing and like, that's now an album or, you know, make a, make another vinyl record. Yeah. We will. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's now we'll just sort of, we'll, we'll be working on that. And, and, you know, because the touring thing right now is not a, not a thing. Yeah. I mean, the good news is you don't need to be touring to make some, what was it? Light wave psychotica. Was that what was the, uh, <laughs> was yeah. the, the terminology? I mean, it, it's something where you're almost making music. That's very easily consumed uh, now because people have the time, you know, like where, where like maybe they would potentially be impatient other than the fact that again, flaming screaming skull flying around the room hundred percent of the time right. always. But uh, it's an interesting record, man. I'm 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 for it. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad we got to do this, and you know, it, it's it's great talking to you about it. Uh, should people get it through the Bandcamp? Like, where, where's the? Yeah, I mean, it's on all the other. The it's things. on all of the digital formats or whatever. Um, I appreciate there was a COVID but, discount. Like it was like. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I should remove the COVID part. It's just a sliding scale. Yeah, so, so how, you know, I, I want people to have it. And, uh, I appreciate the and, reference, you know. you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Ignore it? Like, I mean, come on, it's a, it's, right, right. it's ubiquitous right. in everyone's life. You're not ignoring it. 
Well, right. You know, and it's like putting a record out at a time where everybody has lost their jobs. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather if somebody really wants it to be able to buy it. And, and anyway, um, yeah. So on Bandcamp is where we're selling, selling the vinyl and, uh, the digital is available there and all the other, the normal places. Non- you would find places. Yeah. 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 Uh, then it's been great talking to you, man. I guess, uh, the last thing I always do when I, when I talk to folks is a uh, more of a general question. You can take it however you will and answer however you like, but it's just, uh, why do you do what you do? Oh God. I, um, I, it, you know, I, it, I think it's just that like, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how to not do that. Um, so I'm just constantly doing it. Um, I just, I feel like I have a lot of music to make and, and I just, and I always will. And it's, and, 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 you know, as, as we were saying earlier, um, it's, uh, it's a social thing too. Right. So like, um, playing live music is the way that I see a lot of my friends and those are, and the sharing those moments of playing live and like that sort of musician to musician moment or whatever, like, is the is something that I've, I do just value so much and, and it's part of my friend part of some of my best friendships so my band now as Federation X is some of my oldest friends I've known everybody in my band uh, everybody is from Bellingham and they all live in Seattle now but they're all from Bellingham um, and so I've known them all forever I've been playing with them forever and it's it's about uh, you know having that social moment and also I don't even know how to not, not, <laughs> I don't even know how to stop. Right. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad that you're not stopping. So it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, man. It, it's a, uh, it's a great record and, you know, I hope people check it out and I'm always looking forward to hearing more from you. Yeah. Thanks Conan. It's been great talking to you and I feel like I've been, you know, I've been listening to episodes of your podcast here and there for the last year. And uh, so I feel, I feel like we've talked a lot, but I actually haven't seen you. you in a we long haven't, long I haven't time. Think I've had a conversation in like eight years. I feel like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Conan. Like, I feel like yeah, we, we, we talk we're just time. talking. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I listen to Conan talk all the time, but it's great. I, lo- I mean, I love, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing and great conversations. And it's a blast to hear people I know talking to you i feel like i'm just sitting around like hanging out listening to old friends awesome. well thanks buddy i appreciate it well I'm, I'm glad that uh i'm glad we made this work and you know sorry sorry for the scheduling hassles on my end but uh, uh no worries i don't have much to do <laughs> was there any specific song uh you'd like me to play you out on i was did you play drones i was going to well I was gonna throw that. Oh, it's got a curse word. I, guess I cursed a lot. It has one curse word. I guess that doesn't matter, does it? That's fine. It's it's fine. <laughs> we'll we'll, okay. do, we'll, right. we'll 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 play it out on drones. How about that? That sounds okay. good to me. <laughs> All right, brother. Stay safe. See you, dude. Be good, dude. All right, here we go. Drones. Von Wildenhouse. We don't know.
So that was Drones by Von Wildenhaus off of the record Everything in Flower that uh, just came out recently, as I mentioned.
That was Southern Comfort by Federation X. Something old, something new. Is this thing on? That's at the American Folk Horror record. Uh, you can get that on Bandcamp. Uh, I think you can. I think you can. Can you hear me now? Or wherever you find your find your musics. Wherever that may be. That was great. Love that dude. Wildly creative individual. If you can't tell, I'm a bit of a Federation X fan. <laughs> Is this thing on? Cool. So this has been another stay-at-home edition of Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you for listening to it. Ben Von Wildenhaus of Von Wildenhaus. Ben Von Wildenhaus.bandcamp.com. We come to the close of our broadcast. The name of this show is Code of Neutrons Protonic Reversal. This show happens generally on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, on RadioNope.com. Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Anyone within the sound of my voice. Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal to get the episodes sooner. Dollar a month will get you there. I've got 50,000 watts of power. Thanks everyone for sharing the episodes around, letting people know. It's how the show grows. Steve Von Till from Neurosis this week. Coming up next. Stay tuned for that. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Can you hear me now? Stay safe out there. Out on Route 128. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now?
like, like to thank our sponsor. sponsor.